0: I'm Jen and I'm Carrie and this is Warhammer 40k book club where we read from a crag. This is episode number 115 and our book is Soul Hold Hunter.
1: Hold on, I got to lift it.
0: <sighs> Get your arm day in. Our fir- our book is the first book of the Night Lords Omnibus, Soul Hunter by Aaron Dembski-Bowden. It tells the story of First Claw of the Ragtag Remnants of the 10th Company of the Night Lords as they boldly navigate Bold new world? I don't know. I was going to go somewhere clever with that. We posted several questions on our website, wh40kbookclub.com, and we encourage participation in our conversations via YouTube, Twitter, or Encrypted Vox channel. Spoiler warning for a book that came out about 10 years ago. If you somehow have missed this, gem, what are you even doing with your life? Hey! Fix the problem, then come back here and read this book, because now you've read this book so I can throw shade. (laughs) We'll be discussing it from start to finish in great detail. As always, Carrie, be gentle with me since this is
1: like <laughs> my favorite book of all time. Did you like the book? Well, I certainly know why you did. I'll put it that way. Um, it was very well written. I'm. Um, what even does that mean? <laughs> uh, it just, uh, I, uh, I don't know <laughs> if I liked it. And I say that in that it was incredibly well written, but I just... You know, the night lords are just, they're not my cup of Darjeeling. Um, I think that uh, I like the way that he presented them. But at the same time, I'm reading this, like the whole thing with the claws, like the first and second claws, like how heavy handed are you guys? And then I have to remember, this is the Warhammer 40k where they do have the subtlety of a two by four. I
0: mean, you only say that because M. Shin goes to kill Conrad Kurz. I, I want okay, everyone to I know get that, that I
1: reference that's supposed to reference something. And I don't. Martin
0: Sheen plays the character who goes to kill Colonel Kurtz in Apocalypse Now, which is written by Joseph Conrad. Okay. Kurtz, Mshin,
1: Martin Sheen. No, it's, it's not very subtle. Never read it never heard of it so there we go so heart of darkness i read heart of darkness but not i never saw that's what apocalypse now is is based off of okay well i read heart of darkness long time ago and probably forgot a lot of it that's Uh, fair yeah so Heart of darkness Uh, but yeah uh, it's not a subtle universe i I do remember liking heart of darkness but it was just it was very very long ago it's not a book that i went re re reread. i'll put it that way um Totally fair. But so, yes, yeah, so I found some of that stuff was a little heavy-handed. And I still kind of find the Night Lords. I have been trying to understand throughout the Horus Heresy, drink, why the Night Lords went to the other side. Because they didn't seem to really have a reason. and And I don't remember which, again, these books are all... Meshing together with me, but you know the book where Conrad curse flips out at Dorn, practically kills him. Where he's just like, "Oh crap! Like, did not mean to do that. I don't even know what just happened, but I have to go because everyone's going to kill me now. They're not going to understand. Well, no, sorry, Hun, they wouldn't understand." And then he decides, you know what? I've tried with Nostromo. And that place just sucks. So I'm just going to blow it up. And so the, I was initially thinking, well, maybe that's why he left because there's a he got to the point of no return. He nearly killed Dorn. He blew up a whole planet. All right. Maybe that's why. But then with these guys, so when they're talking about, like, they really believe. They believe the emperor betrayed them. And at first I thought it was because the emperor killed their father, but then they made it sound like that was why they left in the first place was because of his betrayal. So I got, I mean, to me it was like, okay, I think you guys are being a little petty. I'm not exactly sure what is entirely going on with you guys. I understand a little bit why you're being petty now because the emperor killed your father, even though he told you this was going to happen. And then he even said, which I did love this quote of... Do you really think I care what happens to you guys after I die? Like, you guys mean nothing to me. Let's be real. And yet they're still just being well. They're still being, like, kind of petty about it. It's, I don't know. They're very, so,
0: yeah. So, essentially, there's a few things that happen during the heresy, right? Is that you have Conrad Kurz, who, as soon as he meets the emperor, he knows his future. The emperor is going to have him killed. Right? And he's going to ascend to Godhood. Now, of course, because Conrad doesn't really know how to interpret visions or understand what to do with his visions, as if you read the Conrad Curse Primarch novel, Drink, um, he the Emperor specifically talks to him about that. But they um so he has that, right? So of course they're like, oh, this is just all bullshit because you know we're gonna fight in this crusade for this grand world with no gods, and he's gonna kill us and ascend to Godhood, anyways. Um, And then you also have there was a little bit of bitterness in there when they talk about like how every time they started showing up to worlds, worlds would just like throw their hands up and be like, nope, we want no part of the night lords. You don't even have to fight us. You don't have to come down here. And you have a bunch of warriors who are like, "But we wanted to go fight. And now they can't. Right. So I I
1: understand. So that's what they consider the great betrayal being. Is that from Conrad Kerr's vision? Which, again, it kind of comes to. Well, how do you interpret that vision? Because we know what ascending to godhood, what that what that means. He didn't actually ascend to godhood, right? He's become revered as such. You know, it's a you know quote from Return of the Jedi. And he is
0: okay it's, with it.
1: It's true from a certain point of view. Right.
0: Exactly. And it goes back to, it works very well with Horace's vision, right? When he turns to the dark side to continue with our Star Wars But um, when he sees
1: the nine Primarchs, he's like, but where am I? Without even thinking that perhaps if you choose this path, but that was because Erebus is a dick, this is, this is known. And Erebus pushed him to be like, yes, yeah, you were forgotten about. Even though like the reason why you were is because of this future Erebus is pushing you down. Right. And then, and I think a lot of
0: it, I'll be really honest, my personal headcanon for the Night Lords and kind of interpretation is, I think there's a little bit of bitterness there. I really do think there's a little bit of bitterness there that their father did not love them. They did not. And, you know, Malkarion even mentions it in this book when he's talking about how, like, he doesn't have any of the bitterness. He doesn't have the hatred. He doesn't have any of that. He's just kind of meh. But that bitterness is key to the Night Lords. And I think a lot of it is projection. I think the fact that their own father did not love them. He did not care. He didn't care about any of this. And their lives are kind of pointless. Um, They go into this further later in the Night Lords series, but they kind of touched on this already. They're basically pirates. They show up, they scare some people, they take some stuff, they go on. And, And it's not like they're not in it with Abaddon. Like Talos basically tells Abaddon that not really in it for your whole let's go back to terra and take over terra except for the exalted
1: which you have to wonder how much of that is really what vandred wants or what the zinch demon that's inhabiting his body wants right um
0: so we're bouncing around through our questions here because you know conversations and all that but so let's rounding out this thought of You're the depiction of the Night Lords. Do you understand them better? Do you like them at all? Do you still, you're just like, nope, these guys are crazy.
1: I mean, sure. I mean, I kind of was understanding them after a little bit of, was it Unremembered Empire? Again, they're blurring together. But it's when Kurz is telling Sanguinius about all these visions he has and how he feels that his father feels about him. And you kind of see kind of how he's broken. I was like, okay, now I'm kind of understanding a little bit more he's same time i can't help but find it petty because he's like well my world is broken so i'm gonna break your world too uh, and while i found some of these night lords fun there were a couple of characters i really did enjoy i really did enjoy syrian he's probably my favorite character my other favorite character was uh, Malkarian, but then he gets killed, so that just pissed me off. I was like, "Well, I got no reason to read any more of these." Um, just because I just technically he was already dead. I, I I know, but man, what an entrance he made! And I just loved his I attitude with Fire. things. You know, yeah, I just loved his attitude with things, like how he even talked to Talos, and he was just like, "Do you really think you were the only one that got special conversations?" And do you really think that your interpretation of these visions, you know, is perfect? Do you really think that our father's interpretations were perfect? No. And I liked that when and cause
0: Talos has to be like, oh, his were flawed too. And Nokarian's like, yes. Stupid. <laughs> like he he has that, he embodies that because one of the things I really like about a lot of the Night Lords, and you'll see this more as we go through the series, but Mercutian is kind of like Malkyrion in that there's a an odd sense of nobility to them. I mean, they call Malkyrion the war sage, right? Mm-hmm. He wrote all of these books. They're not all sociopathic killers. He's not a good guy. I don't want to go have dinner with him or anything like that. But there is a sort of – there's some of them that have this odd nobility to them. And yes, Malkyrion like-
1: – like a Halascar was kind of that way as yes. well.
0: Um I love when he calls Vandrid a worm. <laughs> You've always been a worm. Oh. Rude. I
1: I really I did like Hellaskar. Like,
0: yeah. Honestly, Some of them have that nobility and that sense of I'm not crazy. I'm not a good person, but I'm not crazy.
1: Right, which I thought that, you know, that Talos yeah, he wasn't a good person, but he wasn't crazy. Yeah, he got these visions. That's kind of sucks. And the same thing with Sirian. sirian has got this weird ability, you know, to sense and hear fear in in people. But he's well, not. Gosh. Well, right, but he's not crazy. At least not not yet. Um, Uzass is crazy. Oozas is straight
0: up crazy because, and
1: again, I... nobody liked him. So
0: no. Because he's he's a corn worshiper, and I love, I love how
1: everyone's just like, yep, he does that every time. Just ignore him. I'm like, okay. Because one thing sure. I will say about the Night Lords that I really did enjoy learning was how like the, they're not really like on Abaddon's side. They're just kind of like What whatevs, you know? Because we're with the Exalted, and he tells us where to go, and this is where we're going. We're on his ship, all right? Sure. So we're doing this, but they're very much like we are not aligning with chaos. At all. Like Talos, he even gets, uh, you know, what, courted by the four gods. I loved Nurgle's. He's like, you got nothing. Loved that. Like, I really don't even want to be here. So peace.
0: (laughs) I absolutely. I want you to know that that is one of my favorite scenes that ADB has ever written about. And I forgot about that scene until I was rereading it. And then I was like, oh, my God, I forgot about this scene. Because Nurgle, I love that he's like... (laughs) You're never going to worship me. I don't even know why I'm here. Like, I like to imagine Reuven's going to have to answer for that later because, you know, nobody likes to be called for no reason. But I kind of like how Talos is basically like, yeah, don't let the door hit you. The way out. <laughs> like, Be gone. And I do like, too, how it was. It actually was a
1: little piece of the gods. And yeah. he's
0: just like, "Ah, oh, you're just some lesser bullshit.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't want anything. You- it's like, I don't want anything. There's nothing you guys can offer me. There's a sh- and the funny thing is like they're showing him. There's so many biblical allegories in this. To be totally honest, like that whole scene was very much like you know when Satan's tempting Jesus out in the desert, right? Look at all of this I can give you, if only you bow down and worship me. And Jesus' response is, you know, get away from me, Satan, because he doesn't want any of that. He doesn't want to have power. He doesn't want to rule neither does Talos like we'll make the legion worship you he's like I don't want that right like, they don't that's... know
0: how to court him yeah which is which is interesting because like with the Karn one the Karn one sorry Corn, the Corn one is particularly funny to me like when he talks about him basically looking like an ape mm-hmm. right and he's like at what point and even you like at that point in the book you don't even really know this character and you're like that's not what he wants. Like, the closest thing to anything that he probably wanted was the Zinch. And even that like, was, was not. Was well,
1: Zinch was offering him power. Power yeah. and rule. And he's like, I don't want any of that. Not And only then Slanesh
0: is all navel-gazy, like,
1: decadence. That, and he's that, like, no. Because he could tell from meeting this uh Zinchi demon that, yes, you're the one that's basically inhabiting Vandra, And he wanted nothing to do with that. Like, Van, right. what happened to Vandred disgusted him.
0: Oh, yeah. And Vandred's insistence that he's fine. So, okay, so you mentioned a good point here, is that, so this book comes well before The Talent of Horus. I think it's written three or four years before Talent of Horus is written. Did you like ADB's portrayal of Abaddon in this book versus the one that we see in the Black Legion series?
1: Was it totally different same but from a different point of view it seemed different but the more that i'm thinking about it so the abaddon from the black legion he's just starting right because at the very beginning when they find him like he's on the vengeful spirit like you know he's got his hair down and you know he's all listening to annie lennox and shit just all this you know mopey and, no then start- I love <laughs> and then he you. Uh, and then he he's starting to, to come come around a little bit and starting to take control. And honestly, so in this where I see it from, where it is with these crusades, so far along in the crusades or the Black Crusades, is that he is so used to getting his own way at this point, he's become a child in many many ways. So it's just more like it's more of the evolution of of Abaddon. As, as I he, do as he came from the Black Legion. Yeah, that's fair. One of the things that I really
0: liked is when is when Talos is like, all of your Black Legions fail and you suck. Fail Abaddon. And Abaddon's like, Are you in my inner circle? You you know what my final goals are? Like, do you who the hell do you think you are? That's the only point where you kind of see, like, and I do like how his, no. you can see, like, in the beginning, he's just like, hey, buddy. And in the middle of the conversation, he's like, okay. And by the end, he's, he's, he's done. He's done with this. It's like, ugh, why am I even talking to this person right now? Um, one of the net, the, evil necessities he must do as the war master right to okay get your licks in i don't really give a shit i just want your people and especially you because you're a prophet um it's pragmatic but you're not wrong there's a there's a
1: childishness to it through that pragmatism well just that he's not wrong right right no when they're starting to pluck, it's like the blood angels are here like this is this is not going to work like we have to go and regroup and he's just like nope spend your lives and like well you're not down here you're not doing any of this honestly my favorite thing with the whole thing was in abaddon he's like you know when he was saying like you don't know what i have planned because for this crusade and Talos was like oh this time that cracked me up oh
0: yeah that was particularly good. I do like one of the things that's very telling to me and I think especially with Abaddon and this speaks so much to him like as a larger portion is when they're like we need to get out of here, we need to get out of here and Vandred is like no 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 we can't because he'll never forgive us and I think it's Halaskar who's like he's going to need allies. Yeah, he's going to forgive
1: us. Well, I think it, was, <laughs> like, it was, was just like I don't care. And yeah, yeah Tal- Zarl's like I don't give a shit. And like Talos yeah, he was he was like he needs allies and was like Yes, that's exactly right. And Haloscar is like, I barely wanted to be here anyway.
0: (laughs) Well, and I love that Vandrid, this is a get, we'll talk more about this in a second, but one of my favorite scenes in this is how Vandred is like, but the Warmaster, the Master. And then Reuven comes on screen and he's like, you know what? No, we're getting out of here. Nope. We don't like any of you people. Goodbye. How dare you ask us to stay here and spend our lives? As you said.
1: I wondered if that was what triggered, what triggered that the change. Is. Because like, he was so adamant that they were going to stay.
0: Oh, yeah. So let's jump in there really quickly and talk. Because we see a lot about Talos and vandred both as leaders. their different personalities, lords' personalities. And there's a lot in these books about who should rule the company. The remnants of the company. Malkarians in a dreadnought and did not want to wake up. Those are my favorite details, by the way, when they're like, we've tried to wake him up four times. He does not want to wake up. But he did that time. That's how big of an asshole Vral was. Just so we're clear here. Um, But they're two very different leaders. Who should lead 10th Company?
1: Talos. Just because he's the only one that has like a calm and collected head. Because obviously, Vandred, he's not himself. He might have been a great captain once, but he's not he's not listening to the Legion, right? He's playing to the tune of someone else, even though everything is just fine. Yeah. Well he no. controls this. Yeah, no. No.
0: It's cute that you think you do.
1: Yeah, because he talked like the more and talk about how he moves, and I was just kind of like I imagine it was this gigantic slug with like a bird head in a way. The way that he moves, because he can't fit in anything, and they're like, "Well, why?" You know, is like, "Well, why aren't you down there fighting?" <laughs> like, "Well, have you seen the guy?" He's like Jabba the Hut at this point. That's what that was how I imagine it. He can't do anything. He can't go down there. Yeah, he,
0: I imagine him being so mutated. I imagine him more of like um, if you've seen Men in Black, mm-hmm. like the end stages of Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> Where it's cl- nothing fits quite right. And he's oh. getting bigger, and like everything's just kind of not not right.
1: um all oh, the way the skin is hanging,
0: yeah. And then, like at the end, when the bug kind of pops up out of him more and you really see that, like, yeah, hunched, yeah, like that's what it kind of reminds me of. Um either one's probably correct because it's the and who friggin knows. Um but I thought, Vandred, the thing that's so disappointing is that, There are moments, right? Like at that end scene, that whole end sequence when he's like, Halsker, get out of here. I'll get your people. Yes, And he takes a tremendous risk with the Covenant of Blood. And it works out because he knows his ship. He knows void combat. He also, that's a moment of great leadership, right? Where he's like, yeah, you go, I'll do this.
1: Well, and the same in the beginning. But the void combat in the beginning.
0: Yep. It's. It it's a nice bookend because you spend the whole book just really not liking him. He tries to kill Talos. He's bowing and scraping to Abaddon, mm-hmm. please, please, please. And then in that end, there, no, nah, never mind.
1: Um, not a great leader,
0: but you can see the echoes of what was probably a great leader of
1: why they um, would follow Vandrid in the first place. You know, when when uh, couldn't serve as captain anymore, right. Talos, on the other hand, like I, I like him, but I think one he's of th- a reluctant leader. Like he, he just wants, like as he said, when I forget the other guy's name from the other company that he'd merged, and he was like, Well, you go on ahead and lead because you were squad leader. He's like, Well, everybody was Adamar. Follow- yeah, Adamar. He's like, But well, everyone follows you. He's like, I don't want it. You lead. Because, and he even said that several times. He's like, I don't want to lead. I want someone to lead. And Vander right. not leading.
0: He's an apothecary. And it's a weird thing. One of the things that's most interesting to me about Talos as a character is that there's a humility there of I don't really want to lead. I don't I don't want to be in charge. Somebody else needs to be in charge. I'm an apothecary. But on the other hand, there's also a tremendous arrogance, right? As you said, when Malcarion basically has to be like, Do you think you were the only person mm-hmm. that dad talked to? Really? You think that? You think that your visions are f- flawless even though our fathers were flawed? Like, and he's like, oh, I hadn't considered that. Really? Like, there's a tremendous arrogance of, I know the direction of our legion. I know what our father wanted. I'm going to do my own thing, right? I mean,
1: the even entire. He didn't follow his father's last wishes,
0: right? Even the fact that his sobriquet is soul hunter because he doesn't follow the wishes of his father that's his whole bag and yeah so it's like this weird like arrogance mixed with humility that pick a lane my friend it's almost like people are complicated um even made up people uh, it's a nice balance to him but i i read about him and i'm like no you shouldn't be leading either my guy Adamar probably would have been pretty
1: good. Well, because nobody in First Claw. I mean, Zarl can't lead. Syrian can't lead. Yeah, let's have Uzos lead. No,
0: <laughs> they will be up to their elbows in blood. And I want everyone to know if you've ever read this story by ADB, uh, "A Rose Watered with Blood," which describes basically what happens to uh, the conqueror once corn is really taking over. They talk about these giant like not maggots um it's like lice or something like that that are like filled with blood and they're just (laughs) anyways that's what you'll get with uzis uzis will make sure to bring you you will have those like the the fleas giant Mm -hmm. corn fleas all over you haunts the dreams you guys haunts the dreams um that's what you'll get.
1: It's got to be a cornflakes so. joke in there somewhere, but I couldn't figure out how probably to get it in is
0: there. with Syrian. Yeah, it's going to pretty much go towards Slanesh, Vandred. We're seeing lots of Zinch influence. Zarl is a little caustic, let's say. Uh, Mercutian, Rob. I mean, we haven't really seen enough of him yet mm. to really know from this book whether or not he would make a good leader. Adamar was probably the most level-headed of all of them and well we saw where that went it's the price you pay for being a level-headed night lord it's true switch over to our human companions for a hot second shall we Mm. um did octavia and septimus add some much-needed humanity to this book i thought that was fascinating or or were they filler?
1: i okay I really, I really did i found their story i um, fascinating especially St- septimus's outlook on things you know it is it begs the question about you know yes they're heretics but they don't worship the chaos gods so it's like so where exactly does that leave septimus i guess in terms of his soul i guess because he's not gonna be eaten by the chaos gods that's for sure that's true um But is he going to go by the Emperor's side? Who knows? Uh, He, you know, just, he's just doing what it takes to survive. And he's fortunate that he actually has like a level-headed master. uh, Right. Who actually does care about his slaves of all the weird things. He actually does care. Uh, It's such an odd personality
0: quirk. Can we just talk about that in general for First Claw? Uzus accepted. Um, Syrian is actually polite. Oh to yeah, Septimus very, yeah, very and polite. Octavia. Yeah. Um Zarl, Zarl mm-hmm. is even polite to them and I don't get the impression that Zarl's polite to a whole lot of people. Um but I think, it's a
1: weird affectation. But I think the reason why is something that you know, Septimus explained to Octavia before she really became Octavia was this like they have finite resources and they just can't go get new slaves. So they do need him to be a good pilot and an artificer. So, yes, they're going to take care of them. Because, as they say quite often, resources are scarce. So he grabbed her because it's like, we need another navigator. Um, we don't have one. I mean, we do have a navigator, but, you know, he's old. Who knows? We should always have a backup. I'll always have a backup navigator. The same thing with the um, the princeps. <sighs> We, yep. need, we need one of these. Yeah, you know, just I, collect. They're like magpies. Yes, just collecting you know, everything even, they can. I think it's like Talos when he had that vision he was first poisoned and he saw his armor completely unpainted from the midnight clad. And saw like the Harlequin basically patchwork of all the different colors of where his armor came from. Because there have to be scavengers.
0: Yeah, it's... It's an interesting, but it also, I like that he, that Septimus, and you could tell, you could tell a little bit of Stockholm syndrome here, but this idea of, well, look at all the stuff that I get to do. I'm, you know, I'm an artificer. I'm an artificer. I get to, um, artificer. God, I couldn't even say that word for a second. I, you know, I, I get to work on this man's armor. Like I would never get to touch an Astarte's armor. Otherwise I pilot a Thunderhawk. Do you know how many people pilot Thunderhawks? Mm-hmm. Not a lot of them. And for... Um, Uridus, or I guess Octavia, nay Uritus. um, this idea of, you always wanted to pilot an Nars- Astartes vessel. You damn sure weren't going to do it in the Imperium. Like, you were on a low, low, low level ship from a low, low level house. Like, yes. Okay, there's the the, the constant threat of violence on the ship, right? And Uzus definitely should not be trusted. Um, but on the other hand, if you can make do with that and make do with the fact that you're not in the Imperium, they're not the worst people. You're not going to sprout a tentacle all of a sudden. It's true. Because they're worshipping Zeench, right? You don't get the impression that Talos is just one day going to be like, you know what? I need some more power. Come here. I'm going to kill you right now. Um, like there's, again, there's a sort of weird nobility and a weird pragmatism to it.
1: Well, we like need the resources. Them, like Estrella like said to her. It's like, it's in your blood. You have to pilot a ship. So this is what you're going to do.
0: Yeah, very much so. And um it's, I like their story because it's a nice reminder that even on the chaos ships,
1: and this is one of those things that continually fascinates me is the I can world. barely call it a chaos ship. Because when I think of chaos ships, like I think of the Vorks' ship, right? I think <laughs> of the Conqueror. I think of right. um, hell, one of the um, one of the Thousand Suns ships that has like, it's almost got like a demon living inside of it as it is. Like this one's actually pretty clean. As much right. As it can in terms
0: be. of, in terms of, yeah, you know, you're not wrong. Because again, there is that sort of, we don't worship chaos. We're not inviting demons into our ships and stuff. And um, forks a ship. And they talk about, like, the squishy floor. Anyways, <laughs> haunts the dreams. Um, sometimes I think I have too weak of a stomach for Warhammer 40K. But then I read this book and it's, like, my favorite book ever. So maybe I don't. That um, They that is that is definitely true about their ship. But I'm always fascinated by the small world, like, the city that basically grows in the underbelly of a ship. There's a black market. There's an entire economy there. Mm -hmm. There are people there who do very important things, right? Like they have an entire ecosystem that supports these Astartes. It ain't safe and it ain't great, but it is there. And I liked that through Octavia and Septimus, you get to see that even on a chaos ship, this is still very much a thing. Mm -hmm. And there are glimpses of civilization and society. If
1: you think about it, they said they only had 30 Astartes on the ship, right? Right. And how many tens of thousands of people are on the ship? Because they talk about that all the time with these big ships. How do you even get them run? They need tens of thousands of people.
0: Right. Exactly that. And again, you need a literal army to support these 30 warriors. Mm -hmm. And it's through them you get to see that humanity. And of course, the Voidborn. The void born is such an interesting concept in general that there hasn't been a child born on this ship before this one, really. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, um, it doesn't end well for her. But it's nice humanity. And it also reminds you that Septimus is still very much not a bad guy um, at all. He is definitely... What's the word I'm looking for? He is definitely... By the imperial standard, corrupt. hmm But he personally isn't. Right. And their budding friendship is nice. This idea that, oh, a new person for me, for Septimus, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, God, a new face. Who's not, you know, like those down there. And for Octavia, oh, this is my friendly guide through this mm-hmm. ship. That makes it look normal.
1: Well, you know, he Anyways. talked about how lonely he was. Now he has a friend. Now he has a friend
0: who happens to be female with a third eye on her forehead. Mm. We can't all be perfect.
1: And beggars can't be choosers.
0: No, 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 they cannot be. Um, so let's talk about the whole soul hunter thing because they they really do talk about it. And then they draw pictures for you in the end. What did you think about Conrad Cur's ending?
1: Um. Well, actually, all I could think of is, honestly, it was like another biblical allegory, right? You will deny me three times before the cock crows. Well, and Peter, Simon Peter's like, I would never do that, Lord. Well, here you go, I would never do that, Father. And then he does it anyway. Right. That was honestly my first, my. Uh, first thought um i do think it's funny that comrade occurs never even tried to alter his fate just took it and Mm -hmm. it almost makes me wonder if he was just like he was a fatalist or if he just wanted to die to be honest look at all the things a
0: bit of both
1: because everything i watched him do on the unremembered empire and um Oh my gosh! I can't remember the other book with uh, with the lion hunting him. You know, it's like does he just want to die, or is he, or is he just like, well, I'm going to die anyway, so I might as well have like a fun time before it goes. I, it's really hard hard for me to say.
0: I think it's that he's a fatalist who wants to die, but I think that because he knows in his heart, he knows. Emperor is killing him, so like he goes down to let's take the unremembered empire for an example, right? He knows Bob and uh, Lion aren't killing him, his father's gonna kill him so he can do whatever he wants. Like, yeah, but, sure, come when kill it, me because you're not actually, going to.
1: When it got to the trial, and they're like, Yes, we're killing him, and he was flipping out, he was like, This is not how I die, you can't kill me, this is not how it happens. And they're like, Shut up, we're totally doing this. And then the lion shows up, is like, wait actually yep uh the emperor is alive and then that book ended with conrad Kurz laughing so it's like are you so i kind of go back and forth like are you really a fatalist or is it or are you just one of those like you'd actually kind of read about x-men comics you get these visions and they torment you so much you just want to die so it will stop
0: You know, it could be part of that. I think also there is, going back, it's almost a pettiness that borders on passive aggressiveness of, I saw my father going to kill me, so by God, that's what's going to happen. And I'm going to make it happen because that'll prove a point. Because
1: um, probably could have killed him,
0: Shen. Oh, easily. And she even, I mean, she even thinks that as she's leaving that, yeah, okay, she recognized that he let her kill him. Um. He easily probably could have dismantled her, but he doesn't. I mean, Talos, she gives Talos a run for his money. Um. But, again, there's this pettiness and this just tiredness where he talks about how I just, I hate this Legion. Uh In the Primarch book, they talk more about that, too, about how much he just, he hates his sons. He hates everything. He hated Nostromo. What was that? He just
1: wants to be done yeah, with I this. I think there was that... And he was telling him yeah i destroyed its world to stem the flow of poisons like i it's like i hated everything about this i hated where i came from i hated that they made me like deal with all of you guys coming from the same place yeah
0: yeah exactly they there's so much Bitterness it and makes me tiger. wonder, like, who hates their legion more,
1: him or Angron?
0: <laughs> Honestly, I think Kurs does. Mm. Kurs, like, Angron, it's more of like, meh, I don't give a shit. Kurs, there's an actual hatred. I hate these people, right? And, of course, after Sevatar yes, I totally buy into the philosophy that, or the um, theory that he became the eighth original Grey Knight um, after Savitar exits stage right and he he's left with he has some people who are good right but then he's got Zosha Hall who that friggin guy who immediately like and I loved when and you can kind of see that hatred creeping into ta- to Talos at the end mm-hmm. there right where he's like yeah now they're all screaming about the crown and the cloak and the sword and where is our stuff where is our stuff mm-hmm. we should who's gonna lead us and he's just like Holy shit. This is exactly, exactly what my father was worried about. It, yeah, it sucks. For every, like, noble
1: and dignified night lord, you've got, like, four or five just animals. I have to say, though, if M. Shen hadn't taken souvenirs like that, she might have gotten away. Yeah. She
0: might have. Uh, Talos is a good... Okay, so I think everybody knows I have a major thing with eyes. Eyes are because I'm blind in one of them. Oh, Um, eye stuff on her. That was great. Oh
1: my god! Yeah, she talks about hearing them sizzle. I'm just like, I have a thing with eyes as well, and that about broke me. Eye
0: injuries are not fun. Um, that mm, mm, mm. the whole idea when she's describing, like, but she's a professional, so she's just like clinically, like, oh yes, they're sizzling. That really kind of sucks. Anyways, moving on. Like. (laughs) <laughs> and uh yeah, and she he's... still almost gets tallows. but yeah had she not decided to scream so on... loud
1: he ruptures her eardrums and she's now deaf i'm like damn dude <laughs> God, they know how to torture what yeah. can i
0: say they uh there's a lot to be said there um i thought it was good but let me ask you this did it add anything to the story were you like, hell yeah, this is important? Or was it more like, Oh, this is interesting? Um
1: I think it explained him a little bit better. You know, kind of his his attitude, how people treat him. You know, because he Yes, he does have these visions that are very accurate if he interprets them correctly. But at the same time, he's the one who disobeyed their father.
0: It's always an interesting little character note to him. And I think it does a really good job of kind of explaining. Because, like, we all know that the the Traitor Legions are basically all fractured. They're all little war bands, right? So, But given everything else, the way that they talk and the way that they kind of act... <laughs> Excuse me, and think they um, you kind of have to wonder, like, well, why aren't you guys more cohesive? And then I think that kind of sets it up, right? So you're like, oh, this is why we're where we're at. And this is why he has some of this baggage and why the Legion treats him a little weird and why he thinks this. And this is mm-hmm. why this is why there isn't a big central figure to the night lords. Zosha Hall is probably the closest one. Again, since Sevatar became a Grey Knight in my head canon. <laughs> Go back and read that scene in the in the Emperor's Gift by ADB.
1: Okay. I don't know what scene you're talking he, about, but
0: when he's talking about the statues of the original Grey Knights, mm-hmm. and at the end, I think it's the, I think it's the last statue. He talks about him sitting, the guy is like leaning up against a halberd, and he kind of has this like arrogant like slouch to him Yago's avatar was that was his weapon of choice powerful psyker
1: okay see okay, been, no I haven't heard that theory so obviously and I didn't know very much about all that at that time in reading that book so that would have totally gone over my head
0: it's my it's my personal theory that I really enjoy. Well, it's not my personal theory. I read, I think on Reddit years ago. But I'm like, oh, this all makes sense. Um, and I just want one of my night lords to have done something good.
1: <laughs> like we have. Well, we mean, have Dantok. He, uh, he was best with buddies with uh, Sigismund, so you know. And
0: I just I need another character like Dantok badass from a legion who I love who decided to be loyal. <laughs> I need this in my life. And
1: then he got killed um, and, anyway. Still forgiven Abnet for that one.
0: Rude. Um, and fair. So, are you excited for the next
1: book? No. And let me tell you why. Oh, no. The Eldar. Tell so I all the Eldar in this. I'm like, I'm out. That's fair. The Eldar are in the next book. However because it just seems like out of left field. What? Okay, sure. Why? Because
0: they go into it in the next book, why?
1: Ugh. Um.
0: And also it's because yeah, it's the Eldar cuz do you need a better answer than that? Cuz. Yes. They also don't like people who look into the future and they don't like they just they're just dicks. Yeah. Um. They are obviously they're a the main antagonist of the next book, but the, uh, the next book goes into other stuff as well. Um, but that's a, that's a fair reaction. I kind of forgot that the Eldar are in the second book. I wanted to put them in the third book. And so I was like, Oh,
1: right. But. Yeah, just the epilogue. This, is like, the where'd this, where'd this come from? No idea. All right. Sure. Whatever. Obviously I'm excited for the second. book,
0: <laughs> But, um, this one made me remember why this is one of my favorite books. I do have to make a quick note here about the Audible version.
1: So, oh, please um, do. Yes. Yeah, so I had, to, I had to go down for an archery tournament this past weekend. So I was got the Audible version so I could finish it. And I had never heard this particular narrator before. But oh my God, he was amazing. And I was liking him already. But then you get to the part where Vral... Is attacking um, Syrian and and Zarl, and so you have uh, Malkarian's entrance. The narrator actually makes the sound effects of the bolter weapons and the attacks. Andrew Andrew Wincott. Yes, that's yes. But I never I never listened to anything he he's done before. But man, if you haven't heard this on Audible and you hadn't read this book yet, I. I can't recommend this version enough cuz I know that the omnibus is kind of hard to find unless you if you don't want to do an ebook.
0: He does a lot of voices in some of the audio dramas, which is kind of
1: neat. That would make um, sense because how he switches, I mean, you know all the narrators they they do a different voice, right, for the ooh. different characters, but the way he switches in and out, he sounds like a voice actor.
0: So two funny notes is it looks like he did the um, the Phil Kelly uh, Farsight series. Mm -hmm. Looks like he narrated those books. So we're never going to hear those. Um, Funny story. It looks like he uh, narrated like the majority of the Tad Williams books. So like the Dragonborn Chair to Green Angel Tower, uh, which I read forever ago. Um, That's just really funny to me because that's really random like oh yeah by the way you remember that tad williams series that you read like literally forever ago he did those too. small world i guess for the audio guys um it makes me actually want to go and listen to it because i would love to hear that scene that's one of my favorite scenes um vral is great you hate him the second he walks in there and i love i love how like honest he is about it too is he's just like yep nobody likes me nobody's gonna think that i was ordered to do this they're just gonna think that oh it's just crazy for all again and uh i'm good with it because i never liked these guys
1: like honestly and not, amps just, on. not just the sound effects that he did but also when he does zarl's why won't you just die it's quite amazing i feel like i need this
0: in my life because obviously i absolutely adore zarl as a character um maybe my top favorite character in all of Warhammer forty K, but certainly in the top five. I will not apologize for loving <laughs> Sorrel.
1: You no, know, Syrian was my guy. He was my guy as soon as uh Talos was gonna go visit the Exalted and the Arch and Mentor were like, Nope, you can't go in and Syrian's like, Okay, he goes, So, what you guys up to? <laughs> all right, just for that, you're now my favorite character.
0: That's another one of my favorite scenes is when he finally, when Sirian finally grabs Zarl and is like, just listen to me. Please just listen to me. Mm -hmm. And when he describes the fact that Vandrid and the Exalted both screamed at the idea and rebelled at the idea of waking up Malkarion, Zarl's reaction, probably my reaction too. Could have gone without knowing that. (laughs) <laughs> well,
1: it like, sounds terrifying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, because it, it harkens back to an earlier thing when Talos is like, You can't go in there with me. And he's like, I do not want to. Kind of harkens back to that. Now you're like, Oh, oh, that's why you don't like being around him. That makes some sense. um I just figure it's because he was
1: disgusting.
0: I mean, legit fair fair they're all just like ew well and i like the fact that even though syrian has definitely got some slanish warp stuff going on uh even he is like ew no yeah it's not okay um it's just a fun book and i like that one of, i think my favorite thing about this book is that he resists the urge to just straight up make them likable They're fun and they're likable, but they're still terrible people. That's fair. They're still terrible. Like you can like Talos, but recognize he's not a good guy. I love Zarl. He's one of my favorite characters. I don't want to hang out with him or be in the same planet as him.
1: Talos has pretty much brought on the blood angels hunting them down to the end of time. Yeah. And why did he take the sword? For funsies pretty now he kind of likes it but at the same time it's like it was for funsies again like a magpie Ooh, that's pretty pretty much what a nice weapon like oh wait do Uh, you guys like this is this one of your like little trinkets cool i want it now it's
0: one of ours now was your sword um i absolutely love that about it is that he does not resist the urge to sugarcoat them even when they're being nice Even when they're being nice to their slaves, that slave master relationship is never forgotten and never Mm -hmm. uneasy. They're never just like, hey, Septimus, how was your day today? Do you need to take the day off? Nope. Nope, not even a little bit. (laughs) Um, I think you see it most clearly when they're kind of joking around and they're like, so you gave my coin to a 10-year-old girl. They're trying to joke, but even Septimus is like... This could go very bad very right. quickly. It's, I like, I, I appreciate a book that can make you like characters who are not good people. These are not. <laughs> like, he doesn't give them really any of those lumps of sugar. Right. Other than the fact that they te- they treat their slaves somewhat decently. That's their biggest lump of sugar.
1: And even then, it's only because resources.
0: And because Septimus is useful. I have a feeling if Septimus wasn't very useful. Maybe not as kind of treatment,
1: right? Well, anybody who is not useful, right? You're dead weight on the right. ship. You're taking up resources, right?
0: Um, do you know the other person who did that really well was Josh Reynolds in Apocalypse? Mm. We did not like. The, I mean, the Word Bearers were bad people, yes, but they were likable characters. Yes. They were enjoyable. Well, they were enjoyable. Fun to read they were fun. Out. Yes. Um. I think, and we've often said this about the Fabulous Bill series, he kind of skirts that edge sometimes of, like, spending two-thirds of the book, like, Bill's not a bad guy. He's really, okay, fine, here's some experimentation and some other horrible stuff that he's done, okay? Anyways, but he's still kind of a nice guy. Um, It's a little reluctant. This is very much, yeah, they're horrible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you you don't want to have dinner with them. No, I don't even want to be on the same planet. Within, <laughs> do you know who
0: else I friggin love as Vork's? Do not even want him in the same system as us?
1: Well, no, I like to have my organs th- on the inside,
0: Blean on the. Actually, you know what? It's not even that. As the further away we get from that book, it's when he talks about walking and hearing the him sloshing. slosh in his armor. No, no. We were in Massachusetts recently for hockey. It's quite humid in Boston, if you don't know. And uh, my daughter was talking about how wet all of her gear was and how she was like, oh, it just feels wet on me. And I was like, but is it sloshing? <laughs> uh, smells like it would be sloshing. No,
1: clothes should never be sloshing. No.
0: <laughs> Anyways. There's nothing um, worse than sloshing wait a minute. socks. No. Oh, when your socks are wet. I'm I, the only thing that's worse is when you have dry socks and you step in a small puddle. So then half your sock is wet, but yep. the other half is dry. And it's like getting the edges of your sweatshirt wet when you go to wash your hands. Mm-hmm. Maddening.
1: Oh, when only, when my, it doesn't matter how little part of my sock is wet, that sock's coming off. I need another sock.
0: Yeah, 100%. See, I'm not cut out for the Warhammer 40K universe. A wet sock has pretty much
1: ruined my day. Yes, yes, 100%. <laughs>
0: Like, I don't even need to get to the spleen on the outside or sloshing inside of my lungs. I was out with the socks. Or the
1: burial guard talking about how, you know, sometimes they go months without showering or washing their uniform. You, you know, just. I'm not cut out for that kind of life. <laughs> I'm not that hard. I'm just.
0: Um, we're watching The Reacher show, and that actually bothers me as I'm like, where does the hobo take a shower? He's taken like one shower of the whole series. I'm like, ew! We are modern humans. Please stop this. Anyways, what book do we decide to go with next? Are we doing Salamander or Yarick? Yarick. Yarick. So because we are still in, um, <clears throat> nothing new Mimbo. is coming out, and we don't want to make the same mistake we did with Fabulous Bill by reading all three of these books in a row, we're gonna bounce over to Yarrick. The new, om- the omnibus just came out for a reprint. Mm-hmm. Um dive in read some david annadale or yes. same old baili
1: which i find fascinating it was like pretty much the exact same cover just green instead of red <laughs>
0: interesting yeah. okay
1: yep old bay. Why not eye. yeah this the first book so we'll read about old baili 10 years ago that sounds right i remember reading the short
0: story around then and just really enjoying it so super I mean, excited for it i've been wanting it.
1: to read yark since we read um as Coldraka, and of course, ever since I saw Beleye, because that was the old old Beleye, because that was just hysterical. And it'd be interesting to read a serious commissar. Much as I love Caiaphas Kane.
0: Yes, this one is going to be much more
1: serious. So
0: I'm excited He's to
1: read them. Got, you got like a wrench for an arm. <laughs> yeah. As you do. Yeah, I mean, fair. In your old Bailey. Yeah, that's true. That's fair.
0: Gosgul Thraka is going to burn the universe to get to Angron because Angron may have killed Old Beli. I personally think Old baili is still alive because they believe he is. Um, I'm excited for it. Obviously, maybe probably telegraphing a little bit. We'll probably end up reading the Salamander books as well. Yeah. Um, we have got to look of, for stuff so we, if you have suggestions I mean, for way back a,
1: machine books we have a bunch of omnibus that we haven't that we own and haven't read through always meant to so yep we're trying not to rebuy old books though just correct. Right. just kind of go through what we have but if you guys have a suggestion that's again is not a towel book
0: or the Eldar, I would like to avoid the Eldar. Or the possible. Eldar. I'm just God, you guys, especially if it's Harlequins. The Harlequins. are Pretty much nothing gets me to lose my attention quicker than the. And
1: for some reason, the we keep how
0: than the Harlequins. We
1: keep getting asked um, to read um, Age of Sigmar books, and that's not happening. So it's Warhammer 40k book club.
0: Book club. Yeah, not, not
1: Warhammer, Old
0: World. Or well, but we're also Sigmar. we're not the Black Library book club. That is true as well. Um, Yeah, so as much as I would love to start breaking into some of their horror novels because they look pretty good, there's just too much that I would have to read up and understand on. So I'm going to stick with 40k for a bit. But I know there's a bunch of books. There's probably something out there lurking in the ether that we have not yet read. Sound off below. Maybe eventually someday I'll get Carrie to want to dive into Gaunt's Ghosts.
1: No. I've already... 20 book series for the win? Okay. Horace Heresy might have broken me. I've... That's fair. <laughs> I've read 46 books. And then I have however many left of the Siege of Terra books. And then, like, I can't do another series. And honestly, I'm not sure I could do any more app net than I than I have to. But... Sucks this is to like, say, but
0: some of it is like peak Abnet though. Like some of it, like I would say, a good four or five books are just
1: peak. And how's peak. the other ten?
0: Um, so the first three books are just like when he's green, so it's actually kind of fun to go back and be like, oh, you really sucked at one point. <laughs> um, and then books four through probably ten are pretty darn good. Uh, that five through ten are just Oh, and then they kind of get a little weird. And then the series ends in a very Dan Abnett fashion. Anyways,
1: uh, time travel
0: engines. No, I will never let go of grief engines. I just never will. I won't. I'm sorry. I'm going to take that one to my grave. Um, Just still being bitter and angry about it. And he killed Broston. He killed my boy Broston.
1: Can't forgive him. Yeah, well, we'll see what he does to pandemonium whenever that comes out in the next 10 years. Where there's
0: like six whole chapters on numerology. Yay. Because we hate math and numbers. Yes, we, we do
1: hate math and numbers. So we're just dumb girls, guys. We just, we don't get math. We don't get numbers. We know that this is about history and war and men and military. And we're just here along for the ride.
0: So thank you for joining us as we de- detailed the historical battle of Soul Hunter, which took place between the Allied forces and the Axis of Evil <laughs> above Canada, Sir? World War II. Oh, you didn't know about the battle between the Axis of Evil and the Allies in Canada in 1947? Ugh, where
1: have you even been? Anyways reading real history but regardless (laughs) (laughs) never mind all that right yes i sure will so you oh my god didn't want to almost spilled my tea (laughs) that (laughs) would have been terrible no because i would have been like and we're done good night everybody (laughs) (laughs) we're out there's something else to say all right so you've listened to the warhammer 40k book club episode regarding soul hunter by aaron Dumsky Bowden. be sure to join us next time for imperial creed by david annandale we are an unofficial book club and not affiliated with the black library or any of its affiliates you can find both the vidcast and podcast on our website wh40kbookclub.com if you like this episode please like subscribe, give a review and all those wonderful things to the podcast on YouTube, or, or actually the vidcast on YouTube and the podcast anywhere, literally anywhere, you get podcasts. Our site also has articles about our adventures and reading other books, other... Okay. I'm tongue-tied. Our site also has articles about our adventures and reading other Warhammer 40k books, so please stay a while and read from a crag. I, uh, Yeah, I guess I'm Alfarius even though I don't have my mug. Hmm.
0: Ave Dominus Knox. Special shout out to Stephanie Batal. Bat Battle? Batal. I think it's Batal. There's an E on the end and one L. Batal? Oh, I like Batal. Anyways. I like that too. It makes it sound very, very fancy. Ave Dominus Knox,
1: brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody.